encourage you guys to continue this theme. Honestly, I think it's a gift to the industry. I loved your post that 2024 should be the year of unreasonable hospitality. All right. How's it going today, Scott? Doing quite well. Still have snow on the ground, right? So we recorded on snow day last week and now it's still snow here, which is rare in Maryland. Typically it snows and then it gets hot enough to melt all the snow, but looks like that's coming this weekend. So it was 19 and 20 degrees this week. And on Saturday, it's going to be 64. So we'll see how that all works out, but good. And this is another one I'm excited for. Tom is a, another great operator, right? And and I somehow roped you guys into getting a bunch of operators on for the first uh, quarter. So I'm excited for this one. No, I like it too. Is there new artwork behind you? I feel like some of that artwork is new over your shoulder. Yeah, it, it, the, the artwork wall has expanded and, and okay. I have to bring home pictures to prove that I've put up the artwork. Yeah, it's gotcha. an ever-evolving artwork model behind me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The listener doesn't know what we're talking about, but there's a lot of beautiful paintings and drawings behind Scott. I don't know the name of the artist, but I think it's, I don't know exactly pronounce it, but maybe you could correct us on that one. Yeah, so, so it's Mason and Mila are the two artists and they're 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 both pretty good. Pretty good, pretty talented stuff. Perhaps one in a gallery one day. Um, yeah, yeah, I've got all the originals but, here behind me. So yeah. I'll just hold on to them. Yeah, just in case. yeah. You just never know. You never know how things are going to proceed. Yeah, I share your thoughts on the uh, weather. It was so cold, Scott. I didn't go golfing this weekend, which is not normally my thing here in South Carolina. Um, it was I couldn't make my way out there. My dad has a, a number. That number is 40 degrees. And when it's never going to get above that number, I can't coax him out. And I had to even agree with him this weekend. I'm like, yeah, if it's not going to even touch 40, um, even this man has limits as far as what he'll tolerate out there for five hours in the cold. Uh, but anyways, Adam, how are things going in your neck of the woods? What's going on? How's the weather? What are you focused on? Going well, it's chilly, but I'll, I'll give you one piece of advice, Conrad. A heated vest. We got my dad, who's also an avid golfer, a, a heated vest for Christmas. Yes. And I don't know that he got out this past week, so it might have been too chilly for that as well. But it is a step in the right direction if you want to get out there more often. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to. We'll head over to the Amazon machine and so let's go, see what's going there on over go. there. Yeah. So yeah, all's going well on my side. Definitely excited for this one. And I'll give a, a little sports correlation into this one. As Scott had mentioned in, in our past few guests being on the operation side, I'm excited for that as well, because I love seeing ideas come into execution. So this past weekend, I uh, had our second indoor game and we just continued to, to be playing really well. We won 10 uh, to one and there's two big clubs up in Virginia. So whenever we get a chance to play one of the big clubs, it's always nice to be the small team from the beach that comes in and we thought it'd be competitive. They won their first game seven to one. Uh, we stepped in and, and and we whooped them. So it's always nice to beat that bigger club. But the the challenge that I'm having right now is that we are performing at a pretty high level. And if I stretch it back eight, 12 months, I was wondering if I could even hold this team together. And now we're at a place where we're actually playing at a, at a really high level. We've put added some new people. We've will continue to train. So I'm in this position. I think that this happens in business as well. And I, I actually think that this is that position that we're in as an industry where you start to get to a place where you reach your ceiling and you start to wonder, hey, well, how do I level up or how do I find the right tools or, or the right training or the right competition? And that's where I am right now with the team is trying to figure out as we go into the spring, what is the right level of play? What is the right level of tournaments that I should be looking at to make sure that my guys are being competitive? Because I can't go out and as much as it's nice to win, I'm not looking to go out and win by 10 goals every time we play. We want it to be competitive and, and hopefully even find some matches where we start to lose because that's where you know you're improving. I think that's where we are in the industry. I, I, we're definitely in this place within our business. And I'm starting to, as we tease out these ideas from operators, I'm looking for people like Tom, who we get to talk with to understand how they're thinking through some of these changes. Now, a lot of this 
can center around unreasonable hospitality we talked about and, and guest experience. But some of it is as simple as just choosing the right tools. When you're starting to go out and you think about improving your tool set or you think about a new technology that you want to go after, you start to survey the landscape and understand, hey, what's available to me? Finding the right one and landing on the right one and then figuring out how to execute, that's a whole different ballgame. So I'm in the same stage with sports that I am with Business Night right now is what's the right path? What's the right partners? What's the right tools? And then once you find them, really hit the gas and start to go fast. And I know just from some past interactions that we've had with Tom that his team has really embraced some of that guest experience side and they've got 30 plus years of experience in the business as well. So we're really excited to start to talk to some of these operators and understand how are they doing it so we can start to pull on some of those similar threads. Yeah, I feel like it's also interesting too and, and fun in my opinion to talk to people who have been around a little bit. We've spent time talking on the show in the past about the new people that have come in. And I think I was actually just talking with someone uh, before this call the recording here that we have today about, am I going to this conference that's happening a few weeks in Nashville? And the presentation of that conference is about wealth building and it's about these new people in the industry. And it's not really maybe necessarily the same as people that have been before. And I think you, you can always learn from those people. I think it would be silly just to reject any notion of like new, bad, old, good. That's Things are never that simple. But I also think like they also need to listen to the people that have been around a little while too. Like they're going to learn from that. And often their maybe arrogance doesn't lead them to always have that same conclusion. So anyways, that's my thoughts on it. But Tom, welcome. We really appreciate you being here and recording with us today. We were also admiring your background. So it's a day of fun backgrounds. But yeah, if you don't mind, Tom, for the listener that doesn't know you or doesn't know uh, your company, where you're based, anything, do you mind giving a little bit of an overview, your entry in the industry, what you're focused on today, and then also a song that best describes you as well? Great. I am a son-in-law of founders of a company that started well before uh, many people ever thought of vacation rentals. So in 1972, my mother and father-in-law, Dot and Ralph Egley, had lived in Gatlinburg and had, were committed to the community and began to uh, realize that there was an opportunity to manage other people's homes and uh, for overflow from hotels and so forth. So they started Mountain Laurel Chalets in Gatlinburg. In 1972, I think they were the third uh, type of vacation rental management company. We are now the oldest in the area. The other two have since sold and, and or folded. But we're really I'm proud to enter into that quite by uh, happenstance. In 2012, our family realized that the trusted management was misusing some of the funds. And it was a difficult, we had some difficult realities that we had to embrace and we had to have some necessary endings. And part of that was a necessary beginning. And the family asked me to step in. And up to that point, for 20 some years, I had been involved in a nonprofit global ministry. And I was a director of operations. I worked at a national level, handled major conferences, events, technology, finance, branding. And I thought, what do I know about vacation rentals? My first day on the job, I asked our property manager who worked with all the owners who had been with us at that point for over 20 years. And I said, okay, what's my job? What do I do? And she said, I have no idea. So I thought, okay, I'll jump on in. I knew leadership. I knew people. I knew caring for people. And so in uh, June of 2012, I started what I thought was going to be 18 months to help turn the family business around and salvage our retirement and the heritage of the, the legacy. And I fell in love with it. And uh, then uh, my in-laws passed away and my wife and I acquired the business. We had several properties as well in the family. So we've divided those out and all of those family homes are still a part of our management program. And our goal and my desire is to continue the legacy of the founders and my mother and father-in-law who really were forerunners 
and pioneers in this industry. And uh, if you could interview anyone, I would love for you to have been able to interview them. And I'm so proud to continue their legacy and hope up to live up to their their expectations. Mm -hmm. The the joke I was going to make, Tom, I don't know if you would like this one or not, but it's what's popped in my head is what do you need to operate and be successful in the vacational industry? You might need God on your side to to give you a little bit of boost every once in a while and have things go your way. So yeah, that was the uh, joke I I thought of when you were going through that. (laughs) It might help a little bit. You're going to deal with some crazy situations. And then also, Tom, a song that best describes you as well, if you could. Okay. I have racked my brain on this one. My daughter has a podcast. She's a senior at Old Miss, and she does a weekly podcast on album called Album Digest. And she loves our my five daughters. They all love music. And I'm the podcast guy that listens to content. I re- listen to books and I listen to music and I like stories and I love musicals. So I chose a, a song that debuted in 1965, the year I was born, Nina Simone, Feeling Good. And so this is an old classic. And in 2005, Michael Buble did a remix of this and became much more popular. But it's really about overcoming adversity and oppression. And Nina Simone was an African-American in a very difficult time the year mm-hmm. I was born. But it's a freeing song and it's a, it's very liberating. And I hope that my life would represent that. Nice. I love it. Yeah, it's got go with the original. Much better version. Nina Simone. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes, for sure. gets enough play. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. man. Comes in, it's awesome. Yeah, he doesn't need any more streams. I think he's doing just fine over the Christmas holiday season. I think Buble is just rolling in the Spotify money, so he'll be fine. No, that's a good one, uh, Tom. And I don't even need a check. I feel like that has to be the first one from that artist and from that era on the on this playlist. So we appreciate that one. So pivoting into Mountain Lower Chalets, and you have so in your LinkedIn bio, I think this is pretty interesting. You use the term stewarding Mountain Laurel uh, Chalet's legacy of 50 years. What does that word mean to you, stewarding? And what how does that change how you actually operate the business now that you're in that role? Yeah, a, a steward doesn't own anything, they take care of someone else's, uh, what someone else owns. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it is a clearly a, a biblical metaphor. And it's there's a lot of parables on the steward and giving a good return. But in our perspective, a, a steward realizes that I have been entrusted with something. And I, my responsibility is to give a great return for that what I've been entrusted. And as you're a good steward, then other people will trust you with their resources. So we look at that on many, all of our values really correlate to all of our audiences. So we want to steward our owners, our investors' properties. We want to give them a great return on their investment, not only financially, but a, a, a care for their home and a servicing of their home. And you can say, we treat your home like it's ours, but we really look at your home as something we need to steward and to give you a good return on. Our guests... So we also want to steward our guests' experience. We realize they save up a lot of money. They save up time. Vacation time for a lot of our guests is really valuable and precious to them. So we want to make sure they get the most out of their vacation as possible. And we also extend this to the environment and the in the place of where we are. It's Gatlinburg, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. We want to steward what we've been entrusted to with creation and with the views and with the national park and with the community and give a good return to that as well. So... That is, I think that's a, a unique core value that we have that may give us a unique brand standard in comparison to other uh, companies. Yeah, Scott, that word is, I don't know if that word's new to me, and maybe I've seen it before, but I've certainly never heard someone explain it the way Tom has just now about what he's doing. But is that not what we should all aspire to, it feels, Scott, from an operational perspective? is There's all this dirty day-to-day work that has to get, get done, but it's well, there's almost a, a bigger calling here to actually do it well. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting, and and we all know that Tom hasn't heard the two episodes that we know are already recorded that talk about this exact thing with 
first started with Sarah and then went to Heather, where we talked about these two things of someone's entrusting us with at least a half a million dollars. And in many cases, it can be over a million plus. Is it, it is a, if you really step back and look at the gravity of that, it it is big. And, and I don't think we all share that same connection that Tom has to the meaning of stewardship. That, because that is ultimately where where this stands is we're being entrusted with so much. And, and we've said this before, baby's first vacation, grandma's last vacation, right? There are so many things that we're just completely oblivious to. And sometimes in a harmful way, we almost degrade ourselves into, oh, we're just vacation rentals, right? And, and Tom, we've been pulling on this. I accidentally got here, right? And what we've said is, well, when did it stop being an accident, right? And when did you decide, like you said, Tom, hey, I'm in, right? And, and I'm in and we're going all the way. But yeah, it, it's, it is a far deeper meaning that clearly drives Tom to look at it entirely different, right? And, and I've watched, uh, Tom and I have been connected on LinkedIn for a while, right? The owner meetings, right? There's just so much about it where you can see the actual heart behind this. And I think it's what we all want the business to be. We want it to be a legacy business, right? I'm not looking to turn any of the businesses and sell and, and run off to the mountains, right? I, I want to build something that's special. And, and Tom is the true pioneer in that when you look at where things are headed. Mm-hmm. Adam, I feel like it's not often something too that we talk about on like the vendor side or like certain we've been critical of like the whole venture capital movement coming in. They wouldn't use words like Stuart. They use terms like return on asset value and these other terms. But it's it's I think what Tom's getting at is like more important as well. And some of those people that came in with all this money, they didn't have the same mindset, did they, Adam? No, and I, I it's one of the reasons why I love this podcast and I love the discussions we're having because you start to uncover these trends. And this to to me starts to feel like a trend that's building, right? This is the third conversation in a row that we start to talk about trust and the reality of what we're doing on a daily basis, not only for the homeowners, not only for the guests, but to Tom's point, for the areas that we live and for the people that have invested in either the companies or the homes. And for me, that starts to get closer to the core of of what I, I want to become. And maybe it's my age, mid mid 40s, maybe it's having a family, maybe it's been a little further along in my career. But I think you get to a place where you want more authenticity. And I think that's what what Tom is doing with everything he's talking about, whether it's the stewardship, or building a company that uh, has a legacy, not only from him, he's, he's now what third generation coming into this. There's a lot that goes behind that that you don't think about on an everyday basis. When we're going out and we're just doing our day-to-day job, we don't always have an opportunity to slow down enough to think about what actual meaning is behind what we're doing. And I think that this is the opportunity for us as an industry, as individuals, as companies to start to think about what is it that we're doing and, and why is this important? And to Scott's point, this is much bigger than property management. People are entrusting us not only with a lot of money, but with all of these very important uh, experiences, life experiences. And that's not something that you do at a hotel, right? I don't go, I'm not excited to go to the hotel because my kid's going to take their first steps in the hotel room. I'm not bringing my parents to a hotel because they wanted to get to the beach one last time before they don't have an opportunity to do that. I'm doing that at a place where I can have my family and we can build these memories. And there's a core authenticity to that, that, I don't even think we've uncovered on this podcast. We've nibbled around the edges and talked about it, but I'm really excited to see the last three episodes build to this place where we start to get to the importance of the trust and us being the stewards of that trust in a lot of different areas. And I think when we get to that point as an industry, as individuals, as companies, whatever it is, and we start to realize the importance of that at the core, 
I think that's when the day-to-day -day will start to have a little bit more meaning in each one of our individual actions. And we won't necessarily need to slow down to think about it because it comes a part of what we're doing in every action. And that's much easier said than done. But that path that we're starting to build through these discussions, I'm starting to get the sense that it's almost happening on its own. It's almost natively happening because we're having these discussions, because we're thinking through these things, we're almost starting to build an undercurrent of the behaviors and the core values that we may not have even known we were trying to get to, but we're starting to get to them. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah, Tom, I was one thing that Adam said there was this idea of maybe we don't, or like the, the gist of it maybe being that we don't often celebrate the good things. It's I We all know what this business can be like. And I've been sitting in offices before doing a marketing thing and I hear the phone ringing and it's not maybe a family member calling or something like that, but it's, oh, this toilet's clogged, this problem's happening and stuff like that. So how do we emphasize the good with our team too as well. I'm curious your thoughts about that when there often is not a lot of bad, but there's a lot of like little things, little problems that just get stacked up and you have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, whether it's owners, guests, or all the million kind of vendors in between. How do you, with your team and your own perspective internally, think about the good and celebrate the good that does happen like Adam was describing as well? Yeah, I think you really do need to take time to intentionally record, document, celebrate, affirm your team members when something great happens. One example I was thinking of is Pam, who is one of our guest services front desk. We have a front desk. We have people check in. So we have a lot of interaction with our guests. Um, she had made arrangements for hospice setup at, at this home that I'm in right now. And, and she had told me that guests, when I, I came into the office, she goes, the guests are ending their stay and they had hospice come in for a bed and so forth. And I said, but Pam, what can we do? And she's like, I'm not sure what to do. It feels sacred and a little awkward to enter in. I said, well, I'm going to go up and see if they need any help with packing up the house and so forth. But Pam, just being aware of the specific need uh, that the family had, of course, we made all of the arrangements for the bed and the hospice setup and accommodations, make sure they're on one level, accessible home, and went in and met with the family and expected us to be a grandmother. And I brought up a teddy bear because I knew grandchildren or children were there. So just one of our Ralph the Bears, named after my father-in-law, our branded bear. And when I came up to the house, Tammy was on the porch right outside this window here. She was 38 years old in the very late stages of ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. We had I had no idea what the situation was. So I came in the house and they said, well, Tammy's out. Why don't you go talk to her? And I was a little shocked to see a 38-year-old on ventilator and so forth. And I awkwardly just gave her the bear. But she was trying to talk through a, a, a device and so forth. Family all came out. And it, it was an unbelievable moment because Tammy wanted to see a bear before she passed away. And she came back to this home because she loved the mountains. She came back to our company because when she was healthy a year before diagnosis, she was in one of our properties. And she came back. Pam noticed that. Pam said, we got to do something. Didn't know what to do. We entered, entered into the team. And that then spun into a lot of events. Six weeks later, Tammy passed away. We began to sell Ralph the Bears and all the proceeds from the Bears went to Team Gleason, which is an ALS foundation out of New Orleans. Former specialty teams member from New Orleans Saints died of ALS. And so they have this foundation. So we took a very ordinary moment, awkward moment and entered into it. And it wouldn't have happened unless Pam was thinking, how do we enter into this? You never know what the day is going to hold in this industry. You have no idea what guests are going to walk through. What are their concerns? And sometimes it's, gosh, I have a charcoal grill and I wanted a gas grill. You could come back and say, it said it was a charcoal grill. So you're only going to get a charcoal grill. 
put ourselves in their shoes. They want a gas grill and we can do that. We can give them something just to, it's a little awkward, it's frustrating, or the guest didn't look at the amenities in the house. But whenever we can meet the, make a yes, <laughs> say yes, we got to do that. And it's in those everyday moments. And you got to have to just empower your team to say yes, empower your team to respond, empower your, empower your team to listen and be aware of their surroundings and the relationships and the people that are coming in and then really celebrate it. So everyone in our office, every, our guests know about Tammy Holloman, who came and sent her whole family, her husband and her son, Christopher, who just is graduating from high school this year, her father-in-law, Richard, who came back with Tammy's caretaker, Kim, and had me up at their house to have lasagna. And they rent, they keep renting from us. And the story keeps continuing because we took a very small moment and really embraced it and entered into it. And I think that's the opportunity we have in hospitality when you look at the individual and look for those opportunities. And so long, long way to answer that. I, I do think you need to keep telling those stories to your staff and keep telling the stories to your guests, uh, to your owners, and keep looking for those opportunities to engage at the heart level and the deeper spiritual soulish level of people as they come to experience their vacations here. Yeah. So a small one in there, Scott, one line that Tom said, I don't know, it wasn't a throwaway, Tom, but it was a, we can do that. Oh, we can do that. Whether it was the bear, whether it was the grill, that's wrong. That's wrong. I'm putting wrong in air quotes, of course, because the grill wasn't wrong, Tom, like you said, read the description. But yeah, when people don't read the description or when they have these things go on, they just want, if we can do it, let's do it. Scott, like sometimes that's not that hard of a conclusion to come to. If we can do it, we can do it. And we can manufacture these things out of thin air in some respect, this situation, right? Yeah, it, it's a, it, you look at it and say, is the guest is always right to some degree. Like, again, do, do you really want to tussle over, oh, well, no, it said this, it said that. You look at some of these things. And as Tom was talking, right, the one thing that kind of swirled in my head is, how many times is this happening every day in one of our properties? How many times is this exact thing happening? And we're just running through the day, just doing our paperwork and doing our stuff and there, there is something really powerful to to the story, but also Conrad to the mm. yes we can, yeah, and yes yeah. we will. Yeah, what, Tom, was that always something that you brought to the company when you first started? Was it you were learning the business? You joked about oh, I'm only going to be there a few months, and here we are, so many years later. But was it that way from day one? Oh, this is how it should be because maybe you didn't have, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but you didn't have any previous experience to lean on. Of in, in most companies, we do it this way. Like, what was kind of your approach there when you got started? Was that always there or did it grow over time? Um, I, th I think my in-laws created an environment of, of wanting to say yes. I look back just in my whole career path. I, I started working in fourth grade as a paper boy and people would ask for me to open the screen door and put the paper in between there and the, and the storm door and the front door. It was a hassle, but I did it because I, I could do it. I could get off my Huffy bike and go put the Chicago Tribune in between the screen door or put it in the milk canister outside this I'm dating myself on that. But because then I would go the next month and do my collection and meet with the people and saw their, that they were humans and that they had needs and they had chili cooking on the pod and they were just like normal people, but they wanted their newspaper in a certain spot. I can do that. And it resulted in a $10 tip at Christmas. So there's a reciprocal opportunity for that. But I just think I've always lived my whole life and thinking, how can we say yes? What can we say yes to? as opposed to grumbling, complaining, and saying, no, these are the policies, these are the rules, and 
don't break that. But people are on vacation. They're not thinking. They're not reading all the descriptions. We want to help guide them through that. I, I also think, too, Chick-fil-A a while ago did a, a, a video thing on there's a story behind every guest. So people would be walking in the store and then you can see this on YouTube. But they would show what was really going on in that person's life as they were walking through. They just weren't someone that wanted a number one chicken meal. There was someone that was working on funeral plans for a grandchild or someone that just lost their job or someone that's really having difficulty with their adolescent. So we got to put ourselves in other people's shoes and engage with them and see them as human beings and having to, we all have. I love in the beginning of your podcast, you give your updates. This is what's going on in my life. This is what's real. This is what's important to me. And I think we, if we can take that and think, what would our conversation be with our guests before they walk in the front door, before they enter the key code? How are they... How are they entering into that property? I think part of that comes too from I in my former business or ministry career running major conferences, we always put ourselves in the feet and the shoes of the conferee. How are they coming into this event? How do we create emotion? How do we create a sense of anticipation? How do we guide them through this as opposed to just, you got to be proactive as opposed to just reacting. So proactively, how do you help people and guide them to the conclusion of what you want them to experience. Yeah. As I hear everything you're saying, Tom, it also just paints such a clear picture for me between <laughs> like people who don't understand our industry at all think that like Airbnb is the industry or they think any OTA, we, we don't have to pick on Airbnb, any OTA is the industry, but they're missing such an important piece of the puzzle with regards to like how the guest is treated or how the actual work gets done. Like they just don't see that. They see like a link on a website, they see some photos, they click, they think they click a few buttons and it all just happens magically behind the scenes. Adam, like we love technology, I think both you and I, and we like to talk about technology on the show, but everything here so far is not really about technology. It's about people. And certainly technology can help us leverage our people on our team or connect with the people that are staying in our properties. What's the blend there for you as we listen to what Tom's saying? How do we use the tools and the technology? We've talked about this before to help us provide better like service and think about the guests a little bit more and not just use it to automate boring things that we might have to do day to day. Yeah, I, I obviously am a fan of technology. I've been uh, trying to push it into the industry for a long time, but I, I'm also a fan of maybe some forced friction. I, I think we need to start to think back. And, and Tom mentioned a couple of things there that caught me. One, he's still got a check-in office and, and there's a reason for that. And there's value that Tom and his team is, is getting from that check-in. And me being a proponent of someone that was pushing keyless locks and saying, hey, we don't necessarily need to do that. That's me taking a step back saying, hey, maybe we've shifted as an industry and maybe we need to think about some more points of friction. The other thing, thinking about technology and newspapers, Tom and Scott and I shared a, a moment at Darm where we mentioned, hey, we all had our first jobs as newspaper people. And there's a technology that replaced that, right? My kids would love to go out and deliver newspapers. At least one of the four I know would be great at it. But we can't do that because technology has replaced that. So I think that we've got to think about where that fit for technology is in the industry. We still have that ability. We wouldn't have stopped newspapers from disappearing. That's just the world moving on. But we do have the ability in our companies and in this industry to choose what technology we're going to implement and then how we're going to implement that. How do we keep that human element at the forefront? And Conrad says this all the time is we're hospitality enabled by technology. How do we use that technology to get back to what people do on an everyday basis? And I really love the way Tom is thinking about this around entering. And th that's the word that I took from Tom's story there with Tammy is they entered in, Pam entered in, and Tom entered in. And it's easy to find reasons not to enter. I've got a long list of things that I need to do. And there's a reason for me not to go up to that house, or there's a reason for Pam not to mention 
uh, that Tammy was on hospice to, to Tom. There's a lot of reasons not to enter in. And I think as an industry, we need to decide that we were eager to enter in because when you enter in, and Tom's story tells us perfectly, but it could be a clogged toilet or any other reason that we're entering in, that's your opportunity to interact with that guest or that homeowner or that person, whoever it is, vendor, whatever it is, that's the opportunity. And maybe you don't get anything out of that interaction, or maybe it's just a nice conversation, but there's also gold that's buried in there. And Tom's was a pretty uh, elaborate example of how that built out, but it could be as simple as, hey, I came here and I, I couldn't find the shell on the beach and I've got one I could leave on their doorstep, right? There's all of these simple moments that come out of that entering in. So I, I think the entering in is the part that really gets me. It's let's think about each one of these interactions and where I can just take one step further than maybe I normally do to elicit that response and try to dig something out of that other person that we can then surprise them with and create a moment of magic. Yeah. Tom, we've, I feel like we've talked about the topic already indirectly, but what's your perspective on Will Gadara's Unreasonable Hospitality? Is that a book that you've read, have distributed to any members of your team? And if so, do you have any thoughts on how that fits into everything we've been talking about for the last few minutes? Yeah, it's common language on our team, especially with our leadership team. I listened to it last summer, and then I bought several copies of the book. I was very excited at Darm that he was listed as a keynote, and that's when we I added three more people to my team to attend. I I I resonated with everything. I found myself in the car just cheering with chapters and the hot dog situation, the dream weavers and. It was thinking, oh, this is so, so aspirational. And, and you realize too, there's a lot of hard work to create a culinary experience of what they have. And then you add on to that hospitality. But if you add hospitality onto a crappy service or a crappy product, it's great. Lipstick on a pig or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but, so you get your foundation done well and steward the wellness, the operations of your organization and the fun, the icing on the cake comes when you can do those unreasonable things and the add-ons. And COVID really created an environment for us to have a shift because there was so much demand. Seven weeks we were closed at COVID because no one knew what was going on. And so I turned off, and Conrad, this might really get you nervous. I turned off our Google AdWords. I thought, why am I going to pay for people to come here when we're not renting houses? So I drastically reduced our Google AdWords, and I took all that money and added it to the guest experience. So we began to specialize every guest that came in. We researched, we found out why they were coming, and then we customized their, their welcome gift and their presentation. And that for nine months really set the pace and had indelible marks on our guests that they thought, I can't believe you did this. I can't believe. And it was like $15 a reservation. I'm not talking huge amounts. Now, since we have scaled that up, depending on the type of booking, but we're always looking for ways to personalize us to celebrate that guest coming to connect them to our brand. And we since increased our Google AdWords back again. But so it was, that was a way that we could really engage with the guests. And I'd say in, you know, 2020, that really switched with us to in really financially invest more money in the guest experience. What were some of the favorite ones that you did during that time? A very standard one is the, the Donut Fryer, which is also another family-owned restaurant in Gatlinburg. It's the best donut in Tennessee. I'm a donut aficionado. I, I will tell you most of the best donuts around the country. But the Donut Fryer is outstanding, similar. My wife grew up with the family, went to school with them. Their daughter owns one of our properties. And so we, any celebration, will automatically do the cinnamon rolls or the cinnamon bread or the fresh. Every morning we have an order 
And then we celebrate that with the guests. Simple chocolates, coffees, flowers, and so forth. Recently, we've added a large custom laser cut charcuterie boards for families that do a have a family gathering and it's a price point and they're above a certain price point. We invested laser cutter and, and do a charcuterie board just to commemorate uh, their experience. But it, it simple free way that we have engaged with our guests and we're, our guests don't have to stop by the office, but after 52 years of stopping by our office, they stop by our office. <laughs> they want to see Pam. They want to see Kay. They want to see Kelly. They want to see Chris. I'm back in my office. Hey, Tom, I've never met him before, but they see me from Facebook or they remember who I was. So they love that interaction. Every one of our family first guests, we have 2,300 family units that have stayed with us five or more times. Most of them 10, 20, 30 times. They get a free gift at check-in. So a t-shirt, and we always have to come up with new branded items for the guest. And so they get a free gift. It encourages them to stop in. And we also provide linen exchange for all of our guests. Every day they can bring their towels down and we'll give them fresh towels. The benefit we have is that our office is located. You drive by our office to get to 80% of our homes. So it's a natural to stop in and you know, create a very homey environment in the office and a welcoming environment. But for the 20% of our houses and really for future growth that's not accessible to our office, we use Point Central, Keyless Entry, and texting messages for the guests. We also, I, I mentioned this at a lot of the uh, Verma um, seminars for a recommendation. I bought into this app called Bomb, and it's where you can send live video messages and it embeds into texts or into emails. So our front desk will do a customized Bomb video. So Conrad, if you were to come, say, hey, Conrad, we're so excited to have you come to Mount Laurel Chalets and stay at Trillium Lodge, and then give you a, a one minute spiel Anything you need, please let us know. So we're preempting that two days before they come. So they see a face, they see a name. Then they come in the office and they see Kelly who did the video. So it's just a whole nother personalization, bringing the human touch into that guest experience. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned that like geographic advantage you had because the office was close to some of the properties. But I feel like, Scott, I don't know your perspective on this, but I feel like some people just go, oh, that's good for Tom, but they don't think of any way that they could replicate that process. But all these things are things that we can manufacture, right? Like we, even if we can't do the in-person check-in perhaps because property's an hour away, or I've had clients I've worked with in these ski markets where they're like literally hours away or you have to drive really far away. Like these video, like these small things, how they can make a difference too. It doesn't have to necessarily be the in-person thing if that's physically impossible. There's other pieces that people can opt into as well. Yeah. And I think the key point to that, Conrad, is it goes back to where you started, right? And that's how do you get the team bought in, right? Because the more the team's bought in, then they start to feed on that. And Will talks about it in the book too, right? As your team feeds on that, then it just becomes almost self-fulfilling, right? Everyone then is, is looking for that moment. But I think it's got to be very clear from, and I hate saying the top, right? But from the highest levels, it's got to be clear that this is who we are. This is what we're going to do. This is who we are. And we're going to reward the people that help us to achieve that, right? The, because to Tom's point, and, and, and we face this often, most of the feedback, especially we have a client services group and they handle 24-7 calls, right? So they are, someone on vacation has an issue. Now we all know no one's calling that line to say, hey, everything's perfect here. I just want to say thank you. All they're getting all day was this is broken, that's broken, this sucks, that sucks. So we actually watched when I first got here, that department was struggling, right? In their view, there's like, oh my God, is there anything good? And we actually had to take them out into the field. And I did trips with them 
to get them out into the field to say, here's where the people are calling from. And it was this like moment of shock for them to be like, wait a minute, this is great. I, I, they just got so used to hearing it, the grind. And that wasn't their fault. That was our disservice, right? Because we weren't letting them see the good and feel the good. And we actually pulled that team and we've had LaKendra on this podcast. LaKendra was from that team. And now you look at her and man, she is customer service queen, right? And, and probably plus. But again, it's because we had to set that tone and we had to get their buy-in. And in our case, that buy-in was you have to see it, right? You have to know what you're dealing with. And then it just takes shape. And I think we talked about this on one of the recent episodes, but as we started moving into unreasonable hospitality, we gave all of our team four trinkets to, to remind them and have them on their desk. But the other aspect for them is like hearing a bit of the story. What happened to that, right? And there they we've done, I don't know, Adam, what do you think? 20, 30 things so far. We've had edible arrangements show up to the office for the agent that helped them, right? And you can just feel the energy rise, right? I mean, you can feel the, you know, the guy that calls crying because we did something for his wife, right? The team just gets like they're so energizing. So so it, it's communication and it's you've got to, they've got to be bought in and not bought in on, hey, we're following this thing because everyone else is doing it. Like Tom's coming at it from real heart, right? And I'd like to say we're coming at it with the same real heart. I'm not sure I can carry the heart to the level that Tom does, but for us, two separate companies, travel advantages, people that that don't have access to all these vacations. And we believe that's our duty. How can we help these people take vacations? And I have been bought in on that. I, I was a blue collar kid. I haven't gone to college, right? I haven't done all that stuff. We didn't vacation much when I was a kid. I'm all in on how can I make that change for everyone else. And with Del Mar, we just wanted to provide an unbelievably great experience for the people that we serve. And that's on both sides, on owners and on guests. But I can tell you just from this conversation, I still have a ways to go to reach the Tom level. I think I'm decent, but I Tom is well ahead on that in that regard. It's always good to have people to look up to, Scott, and we can always learn from other folks. Tom, you mentioned leadership there. This was one of my mistakes early on. Once my team started growing with the agency that I own, I thought, if I just say it, it should get done, right? It, my request was reasonable. It wasn't like I was saying something that I wouldn't do myself or that was some way out thing. I wasn't asking people to find a pink unicorn. I was like, hey, just do this thing once a week or do it this way. And then I learned it doesn't really work that way, right? You've got to get more buy-in from people before you can get them to opt into some of these kind of things. And I feel like the classic phrase or comment that someone might say is, well, that's not part of my job description or I wasn't, it wasn't that way before. And now why is it this way now? They, you know, some people on my team in the past have resisted, like you say, it's going to be different. And then they start to push back a little bit, even if you have a very valid, good reason for doing so. What's been your perspective on that when you've introduced some of these ideas to your team over time? And I'm sure this is just one idea amongst many that you've introduced. It sounds like you have people that have been with you for a long time. So I imagine they're receptive to your new ideas you know, and they're willing to work with you. How do you find that you're more successful there and you don't get that initial no before you have to wear it down and get to the yes? Because that's been my weakness personally. I wouldn't want to give the impression that we have this all figured out. And then I've, and I have had many employees that said, that's not my job description. Hmm. It's not my employees anymore. And we've whittled down to hiring the right people and then also treating them with an opportunity to succeed and to be rewarded and compensated in such a way. So we have fewer people and uh, we compensate them differently than we would a large number of uh, just entry-level people. But I do think it begins with action and with demonstrating and modeling. So every leader needs to really model. A coach needs to model uh, for the kids on the team. What does it 
what does it mean to have diligence and discipline and rehearse rehearsing and practicing and all those elements if the coach not doing it isn't doing it then it doesn't really get caught so all of that is caught so they see me being willing to do jobs that business owner or ceo normally wouldn't do nothing is beneath us it can't be and we need to be the servant of all to our team and also then you got to balance that. And there's some things I shouldn't be doing. It's not the best use of my time. It's not my best contribution, but am I willing to do it? And they catch that. They catch that in attitude and heart and your character and your demeanor. And then when you catch them doing things, do you celebrate that? Do you notice it? Do you compliment them? Do you go out of your way to make mention of that? And I think all people really live in a their own sphere and they're looking inwardly. And I look at my job as how it affects me. And I don't think I want to penalize people for that, but I want to show them something better. <laughs> Tell them a better story than the one they've already heard. That work can be fulfilling and meaningful and tie your work into it, the deeper purpose and the deeper meaning of bringing value and elevating someone's experience and creating that lifetime memory that will long linger after, after they've left. We're not heads on beds. We're... I don't know what the what our converse saying would be for that, but we're really about changing lives. And I want to I want all of my employees to come. And this is a motto that I've always had when I hire people. I said I want you to leave better than you came. And you might not stay here forever. Now Kay has grew up and went to Gatlinburg Pittman, and she's in her thirty fourth year with us. She graduated from high school with my wife, and she's still working here, and she loves it. We're part of the family. Pam has been here seven years. Corey, my COO, has been here 19 years. So I always, I don't want them to leave. I want them to stay. But if one day most of your employees do leave, do you have a heart to steward them and their life? And do you really live out? I want them to be a better person when they leave than when they came. And so that involves sacrifice. It involves pouring into them and involves serving them. But I think that's, it's a, that's, it's a more of a mission. It's more of a deeper purpose and a deeper meaning. And if we move into that, then I, I don't want to grow. So I can't scale that, that I can't violate that value, that core value that I have, but how much do I need to, I'm not going to scale hugely because I value more of quality of people's lives and growth and development than I do just the, the bottom dollar. And I, mm -hmm. I think it shows up with our guests. It shows up with our employees. It shows up with our owners and how we treat our owners and we engage with them as well. Yeah, Adam, two threads I want to pull on there. One is that you know, he said coach, so I automatically thought of the coach on the call and kind of his perspective on how coaching, and we talked about coaching talent scheme a few weeks back, right, with regards to a football team. Same thing applies in business, right? There's like leadership, there's the people you have on the team, then of course the strategy, like what you're doing. So I'm curious on that piece. And then the second piece that Tom said there, scale, I feel like that's maybe where I'd like you to take it next, the idea of coaching, and then the idea that everything Tom just said is really hard to do when you have 500 properties, 1,000 properties, 5,000, 10,000. If you're one of the V companies and you have tens of thousands, it's it's really challenging. So your two thoughts on the coaching side of it and then the scale, can we scale? Because it's something that you've asked many times on our shows before. Yeah, so many gems out of, of what Tom is bringing to this conversation today. There's so many great things. And a couple of them that I'll pull out. Modeling, I think, is absolutely huge. It's huge for us as parents, as people that are running businesses. I think it's huge for us as businesses back out to the industry. I think that showing people what we believe they should be doing by our actions is a very important aspect that I, I think is probably forgotten by a lot of people. 
The other thing I, I really like there, Tom, is that you say changing lives. What a what an amazing statement to think, hey, this is so big that we're going to change lives. But I think there's so much power in saying something that is almost outlandish. Yes, we can legit change lives when we interact with the right guests and treat them the right way or with our employees. And Conrad, to your point around the coaching side, one, 100% modeling. Every time I go there, I'm trying to be the same person that I'm asking them to be. I'm showing up with my cleats laced up and ready to get on the field. I'm playing with them. I'm getting there early. I'm leaving late. But the other part of that is that thinking big side of things. And they're only in eighth grade. And for the past six, eight, 12 months, I'm already talking to them about what that next level is. Getting to college, getting uh, to high school, making sure that we're having an impact, making sure that you're getting on to whatever that next step is that you think it might be. We need to prepare for that now. And in order to do that, you need to show up every day with the right attitude, doing the right things. The other part that I, I really liked in Tom's description there is getting the right people on your team. We're going to think big and we're going to do things and I'm going to model things that maybe you're not willing to do. And that's okay. This is not a personal judgment about not being the right fit for my team at this point. I'm okay with that. And you should be okay with that too. If this isn't the right fit, if this is not in your job description, then you need to go find some place where you fit and you are in the right fit because we are going to do something that is potentially changing lives, or at least that's what we're going to shoot for. And if we fall short a little bit, so what? We've at least gone way far beyond what we thought we were going to do. Now to that point of the scaling, I think that's really where we're stuck in this industry. I think that this industry for a very long time has tried to say, hey, if I can do this at five houses, I can do it at 5,000 houses. And time and time again, we see, and there's a list of examples that we could give, but it doesn't work out that way. Just because you can do it at a small group of homes does not mean you can do it at a large group of homes. And I would probably argue the inverse. You can't do it at the large group of homes and you're going to lose all of the effectiveness. You're going to lose all of the economies of scale when you start to do that because you're going to erode all of the great things and the great aspirations that you tried to build at a small scale at that large scale. Now, that's not to say that you can't have elements of these things and build towards the right example and build towards the right size of inventory. I just don't think we've seen it done on a, on a mass scale where you're going to get one brand that everybody knows, that everybody's going to gravitate towards a Marriott or a Hilton. I just don't think that's what the vacation rental industry is. I think the value of what we do is on a local level, and we need to keep bringing it back to that local level because that's where the guests, the homeowners, and us individually, if we're changing lives, that happens at a local level, not at a national or international level. Right on. Tom, I know we're coming up against it time-wise, and I have a whole list of questions we didn't even get to. And there was one word I was going to get to, innovation, that I didn't get to at all. So instead of asking questions and going over time, and I might get in trouble from the guys here on that, I think they got to hop. Could we do a rain check? Could we come back and do this one again in the future if you're open to it? That'd be great. Awesome. So I have one more question for you, Tom, and then we can definitely let you depart for today. Is there anyone that comes to mind for you personally that you think might be a good guest for us to talk to here on the Art of Hospitality show? Yes, I have really enjoyed having friendships with a lot of vendors and people that I work with. And that is a the key factor in me maintaining those relationships and using their product. But one a relationship that kind of stands out to me of someone who challenges me and encourages me. And then I also, I learned from him is Matt Loney with Explory. Yes. And I wouldn't, I don't, I think there's a lot more than Explory to his life in light of hospitality and travel and engagement. He has a wide swath of people that he engages with globally, but he has a real heart for engaging at the human level. And it's been really fun to partner with them. 
And in saying that, I would say I've not had a lot of fun lately with some technology partners that we've had, and they could learn a lot from hospitality and from what we're talking about here. But I would say Matt is someone who is is committed to that. And we've experienced their product and their company at a, a deep level of hospitality. Right on. I personally don't know Matt, but I'm sensing the guys might. They're nodding their heads along and maybe they made some connections there in the past. So we'll do our due diligence, Tom, and we appreciate the recommendation. Well, if you made it this far, we really do appreciate you listening. And we hope we stewarded your ears properly for the last 45 minutes or so. And you've got some good information. Tom, this was fun. I enjoyed it. I think we got some really good stuff out of you and your perspective is really eye-opening for me. And it's great to have these kind of conversations. So we thank you for your time. If you made it this far, hopefully you enjoyed it. If you do, you know what you need to do. You need to go to your podcast app of choice, click five stars, and then we'll be super pumped up and we can get more awesome guests like Tom on the show in the future. So thanks so much. And we'll catch everybody on the next episode.